Ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags-to-riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires, many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school, and with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over 1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this, if you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. Welcome. Welcome to Ditch Digger CEO. I've got uh, my partner, Chris, here. And today, Chris, we've got a buddy of mine that I've known for probably about 15 years, I'm guessing, here. Um, and uh, just an awesome, awesome friend of mine. And uh, his, his wife and his family have been friends with my wife and my family for years. And uh, have enjoyed, you know, growing business and being around Rob through leadership organization we're in, YPO that we talk about often, right, Chris? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and Rob has been a guy that always raises his hand to lead, you know, somebody I I'd always admire um, around YPO network or anything. Um, Rob's a guy that doesn't sit back and kind of watch others. He's, he's raising his hand and I mean, I'll, I'll take that job. Hey, man, I'll do that, right? I mean, you know, anything, anything leadership, Rob's a guy never afraid to lift his hand and, and jump in and lead. So I, I, admire, I admire Rob in a, in a huge way for many reasons, family-wise, a great, great father, great husband, uh, business-wise, great entrepreneur, and just a leader, right? Uh, we, don't, we don't have enough leaders in this world, in my opinion, leaders that, that give like Rob. So Rob Wilson, welcome to our show, Ditch Digger CEO, buddy. It's great to have you. Great to, great to be here. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for the kind words. And uh, uh, you're awesome. Uh, you know, the, the work that you've done with uh, Dish Digger CEO, the, the business that you've built is just, you know, it's been fun watching you over the last 15 years. Uh, what, a, what a company that uh, you've built and your foundation. So it's, uh, it's been great uh, watching you grow. Well, that, that, that's the fun, Rob, right? Is when, you, you know, you and I become friends and our, our wives were such good buddies and, and uh, you know, we kind of feed off each other, right? When you see good friends that you respect doing cool things, whether it's philanthropic or leadership, whatever, it's like, man, hey, you know, Rob and Stacey are doing that. Man, we could do that. Let's, let's, let's you know, dive in and help Rob and Stacey, right? I just think that that's, that's what the cool part of, of networking and friendships are. When you, when you surround yourself with great people, you, you, you tend to try to be like them, right? And so it's so much fun when, you know, when you think, of, think back 15 years ago or whatever, when we got to know each other and so many of our other friends got to know each other, right? It's kind of like uh, you're constantly feeding off the, the success of the business somebody else had. Like, hey, man, Rob, Rob was able to scale that way up. I think in our business, we could do the same thing or, Hey, you know, you know, Rob lifted up his hand. He, he led that, uh, 
that uh, that that events at YPO that was such a such a great educational event. You know, hey, I think we could do that too, right? So it's 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 watching other people step up. It, it, I think it inspires others to do the same thing. So that's the fun of of uh, great friendships and networks. So yeah, you, you've been you're you're a model to many. And I appreciate that. So Robbie, what we want to do, Robbie, is we want to talk about. Uh, you know, I always like to talk about your kind of your upbringing and where, you know, how you grew up and all that. Talk about your family back then, your family now and and then the start of your business and where you've taken it. And uh, you, you, you and your brother and your family, where you've taken this business to be uh, from from a local business to a you know uh, national business that you have today. So. We, we, if you, we'll, we'll throw a, Chris and I will throw questions at you here and there, or stop you. We, you know, we, we might be rude sometimes and say, "Oh, stop! Hold on!" Right? But we, we have a lot of fun, and I, you know, like to like to hear again, you know, your whole story. So if you can sure. start, tell tell us about who you are, your business, and all that. Tell my fa- our, our our fans that, and then then we're going to go into kind of history of you, you know, you, you, sure. you and your your upbringing and stuff. Sure. I uh, co-founded Employco uh, USA, which we're an HR outsourcing company providing HR solutions to businesses. Uh, we buy benefits and volume. Uh, so our goal is to save, save, save clients money, but also enhance their HR. Uh, and especially in this environment where uh, if you're in multiple cities and states, uh, it's constantly changing uh, for, and for one person to stay up to date on that in an internal organization, it just makes sense for them to outsource. So we, uh, we're active in all 50 states during the pandemic. We uh, actually finally got somebody up in Alaska, and uh, it, it's been great. We've, last, uh, April 16th, we celebrated 25 years. So it uh, awesome. se- seems like yesterday, but it's been a uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I you, know, you hear people that don't you know, that don't like their job. I I love what I do every day. So awesome! It's, it's been fun. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So where, where'd you get this entrepreneurial uh, mentality? How'd you, you know, who, who is your, who are your, uh, you know, tell us about your, your upbringing stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. I uh, got my first job when I was eight years old and a uh, paper boy and uh, a paper route in Westchester, Illinois. What, pay, uh, what paper route? What paper route you have? You know, it was the, it was the pioneer or something. They, they went on a business, but eventually I moved up to like the suburban life and then eventually moved up to the, uh, uh, and that, that was the one where you had to go door to door to collect their, uh, collect the two bucks a month or whatever it was and yeah. eventually moved up to uh the tribune and sometimes so but uh wow. you know it was it was fun uh you know we uh growing up we always had a really good work ethic work ethic uh, my uh my dad at the time was working for uh uh for an insurance uh, agency in chicago and then ended up in 1979 he started his business uh which is was an insurance consulting firm and I eventually graduated on to uh, Pizza Place, but uh, you know, it, it, it' been working since I was eight years old, and started my first company when I was a sophomore in college. So it, it, you and I were delivering papers about the same. We were delivering papers about the same time, Robin. So I was uh, ten years old to like thirteen, fourteen. I was I delivered papers the Chicago Tribune. I, I went to the big time right away, dude. I didn't I didn't mess with those local. <laughs> I went right to the Tribune right away, and uh, it was about three, it was about four years before I my brother took over the route. Um, but, uh, it was probably sort of been 1973 to 1977, probably six or seven. Okay. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we probably started the weekly paper, you know, pulling a wagon around the neighborhood at, uh, yeah, that was probably like 1973, 74. And when we did the Tribune, I I did that for about three years and what brutal winners, but Sunday papers, Sunday papers are crazy. They're like four inches thick, right? 
Oh yeah, tough. You know, throw those on a on, on, on the bag and get on a bike, and uh, right. it was a but but good memories. And we, my brother and I, did it together. And we figured, all right, if we're going to make some money on tips, let's go door to door and give everybody their Christmas card. And then you know they, they see like a thirteen year old kid, you know, twelve year old kid, you know, better than uh, sending a card in the mail like they do today. So absolutely, that's funny. That's funny. We're doing the same job, and you know, we start. We could have, we could have been uh, you know we could have been newspaper uh, magnets you know uh, uh, entrepreneurs today if we would have stuck with that. Yeah, you know, the, and, and the kids the kids of today they you know they don't have that experience. Uh, you know, the uh, the guy that does uh, you know we still get the Wall Street Journal and a couple of papers at our house. Some guy drive you know does like you know three or four towns at the same time. So you know those jobs uh, for for kids that uh, were our age they're not there anymore. I know it. I know. It. I mean, I, you know, I, I, and I told the story last night. I was in front of a bunch of people at Union League Club. But uh, you know, when I, I, the newspapers were one thing. I had six bucks a week, and then it was two bucks in tips. I figured I usually tried to collect two bucks in tips per week. Um, but but my biggest, my my second biggest money was mowing lawns on that paper route. So I ended up mowing a bunch of the lawns in the paper route, and it was like fifteen or twenty bucks a week there. And then the biggest money of all was dumpster diving. I dove in dumpsters for aluminum cans. And uh, it was like 20, 30 bucks a week. And I told the story last night. It's kind of funny, but you think back and uh, of where you, where you were and when you started your, your drive to, to make money and all that. But I w- I'd be in dumpsters at the marinas around Fox Lake, Illinois, and there'd be cute girls walking by. And I'd be, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. A cute girl would walk by. And, and you know me, Rob, I'm kind of an outgoing guy. And I was yeah. a kid too, right? So I'd be like, hey, girls, right? I'd start waving at some girls and they'd, they'd look back and they'd go, gross. Oh God, they run away, right? Like, wow, well, gosh, that didn't work out so well. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but those, but th- that, you know, that was like a, that was like a great, uh, uh, you know, a great uh, growing, uh, you know, growing experience, right? To take this, take a, a paper route and then spun, spun, you know, spin off other things, like, yeah. you know, I'm yeah, sure we you did. I did the lawn. I I cut lawns as well. From uh, you know, we dragged the uh, lawnmower up and down the block and. Uh, and you know you don't see very many kids doing that anymore as well because there's so many landscaping companies. So, yeah, but, and, and, and yeah. everybody's worried. Everybody's worried about the liability too, right, Rob? I mean, you're the insurance yeah. guy, you know, right? Yeah, and you want a, some kid that you don't know cutting your grass with the uh, yeah. you know stuff. But yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, it was fun times. So yeah. it uh, <laughs> seems like yesterday. So tell, tell me about your parents back then. I mean, they, were they supportive of you guys getting out and working at a young age? Because, you know, I'm sure they had enough money. You didn't have to, right? They, they could have fed you without that. Tell us about, about that. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they, uh, they were very supportive. You know, my mom would be up in those, uh, you know, kind of some of those Sunday, uh, the, the heavyweight papers. She'd be up helping us, uh, helping us fold them and be out in the, you know, we'd be out in the street at, you know, 5, 5.30 in the morning or whatever. But they were always very supportive of us. And, yeah, my dad. Uh, yeah, he he didn't want to. He had, was working for somebody else and didn't uh, had a vision of what he wanted to do. And uh, so he had three three kids. Uh, I was uh, in eighth grade, and uh, so he had three young kids. And he left his job and started from scratch as a startup. So it, uh, I think that's where I got my uh, entrepreneurship uh, from. Was just watching watching him. You know, leave a you know, he had a, a safe job, but he's like, you know, I, I don't want to work for someone anymore. I want to do my own thing. And then so. you have the choice, right? You have the choice of safety, and you know, probably a good good uh, retirement, maybe a pension, probably you know, back then, but but four hundred one k or whatever you might have nowadays, right? You have that safety of an income, and you have the safety of probably some retirement and, and all that. 
but really, is that is that really as safe as building your own thing, right? If you're confident, you know, there's risk in building your own thing, but boy, the the, the uh, excitement and the and the uh, reward from that risk if you work really hard is is awesome, right? And that's what that's what I, you know I want to get in with you is you know when people look at Rob Wilson today, if, Rob, if, if people knew who you are today, they're like, oh, you know, you know, wealthy, successful guy, you know, probably you know had a lot handed to him and. You know, I mean, I'm just saying when I when I talk to kids and people that 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 get the message that business is bad and CEOs are bad. Right. I want to I want to squash that because I know, you know, people like you, who I love that, that I know just work your butt off still today. And, and it's and you, and you love what you do. So it's not like work. But you, you're, you took risk in the beginning and you still take risk today to be to, to, to be able to create jobs and do what you do. So kind of kind of go into kind of where, you know, what, what, what happened from there? Your dad got in, in, in business. You, I'm sure you had some ups and downs. But tell us about that. And then and then what you what you visual, what you what you saw that inspired you. Yeah, I, you know, so my brother and I played in a rock band in high school and thought all right, we're going to be, you know, play guitar for the rest of our lives or whatever. So I'll go to college as a, uh, uh, you know, just have something to fall back on and uh, quickly saw I wasn't going to be the, uh, the musician that, uh, that I thought it was going to be though. My brother's still, uh, still doing it. And he's, he, you know, 50 years old now. So I, uh, uh, when I was a sophomore, I, I looked at the, I went to Bradley university and we, uh, and they were, I got involved in the activities council promoting concerts and, uh, started my own business managing and marketing bands. Uh, I, you know, started in my fraternity house in, in Peoria, Bradley, and then built that up to, uh, I've, I had bands from, uh, Ireland and, uh, you know, in Europe that were coming over, I'd organize their tours, wow. record deals. And, and then I'd take the U S bands and, uh, organize their tours in, in uh, Europe as well as some record deals and, and started my own record company and, uh, did that for, you know, five, six years. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a fun time and really as I'm sure it taught me instead of, you know, all my friends were, you know, they're grads marketing majors, right? So, you know, there were no jobs when in the early eighties as marketing majors, they were one guy's a maitre d' at a pizza place. And, you know, the life insurance companies are trying to get you to sell life insurance, but, uh, you know, I, I started, I was already a few years into my, uh, my career running, uh, but, uh, you know, managing bands around the world. And that really, uh, really set the tone for, as I, as I grew older, because it, you know, it, it you know, from a sales standpoint, from a, a you know, organizational standpoint, you know, I, you start a, a startup, you're a one man band. So I, you know, and if I don't sell a, a rock band to a nightclub or get a tour or do, uh, you know, recording things uh, you don't make any money. Yeah. So it, uh, so it was, so wait, uh, it was, tell me this, Rob. I mean, I, I know you as a cool, calm, collective guy that, you know, and you probably were back then. And, you know, that's very businesslike, right? Your hair's always, you know, get, you always got a nice haircut. What'd you look like back then? Describe what you were like back then for us. Will you give us a picture? Uh, long hair. So it was, uh, <laughs> probably as long as, uh, my wife's hair is today. So, uh, that's, that's my shoulders, but, you know, it was, uh, but that was the, uh, that was the industry back then. So it was, uh, it was fun. You didn't get into the piercings. I didn't, I haven't seen any piercing. You didn't pierce or tattoos or what? No piercing, no tattoos. No. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, just, I love the business aspect of it, but I, I found after I, after I did it for on the management side for uh, like five years or so that you cared more about the band's careers than, you know, because they're creative people. Uh, and yeah. they're they're not business people, but you, I had you got the sense that, that you cared more about their careers than than they did. <laughs> That's but, cool. Uh, 
but it's uh, it was it was a fun experience and uh, was going to uh, you know I, I took it as far as I could in Chicago so it was either I was going to go work uh, in New York and my dad had this uh, insurance agency now for 10 years and he kept saying you know come on uh, we could do a lot of it could be fun together you know let's work together and you know you hit the mid 80s and he was a bit bored in his business and uh, he had a well, dozen people working for him and I thought you know, if he's bored, why do I want to go into a business? If, if, <laughs> if he's, you know, and, uh, but they looked at, you know, the more we talked, the more I, uh, I said, you know, it'd be great to work together. So, uh, I, uh, I cut my hair and, uh, bought a suit and, and, uh, stopped by his house and then said, uh, you know, I want to, uh, want to join you and, and work together. So he was pretty excited. He, uh, he about fell off his chair when he saw me with a, uh, short haircut. So. <laughs> Hey, you got pictures of that? Oh yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll send you. Uh, I got to see was, some of those. Hey, you know, Chris, maybe we could start. We could attach those pictures to this podcast <laughs> when you put it out there. It'd be fun. <laughs> so it was, uh, and you know, at the time it was he had a, a insurance agency, and I was doing a lot. Obviously, pretty connected in the music business. So we started uh, insuring. Move, you know, we insured over. In a few years, 160, 170 different movies, uh, wow. tour, bus, tour bus companies, concerts. And so it was, uh, so we tried to merge kind of the two things, you know, use your connections that you developed and, uh, and, uh, and then worked with a variety of, a variety of companies around, uh, started in Chicago and just kind of spread out from, uh, from there. So it was, it was, it was a good experience. And that, you know, that led us, uh, working together to, uh, to start an employee, which is our largest company today. Oh, awesome. okay. So, what was your dad's niches when you came on board, Rob? And then, how did you how did you morph into some other stuff that you knew, right? How, and how did that work out? Was your was your dad the kind of the, the guy that that, that was uh, selling and dealing with some niches, and you were dealing with others, or how, how did that look? And and so he he had, had his business was about half insurance agency and half the consulting, and he really liked the consulting side where he'd be an expert witness in a, you know, so Gary, if you were you know you had a workers' comp dispute with your insurance company. Uh, and uh, it went to court. The, he he would often be hired as an expert witness, uh, always on behalf of the the uh, the insured. Never never represented an insurance company, and right. and he would and he would go into clients from a consulting standpoint. Really, part of it was that outsourced risk manager for a company. You're spending a, enough on insurance that it's a big line item, but not enough where you're going to hire a risk manager. So you need somebody that can can handle that, and he'd go in and and look at you know, your you know workers comp your last three four years, and we'd find uh, rating errors, misclassifications, and work to get you refunds. In some cases, the refunds would go back four years, and we'd charge wow. uh, you know fifty percent of savings. So, it was, yeah. and uh, you wouldn't think there'd be as many errors as there are, but there's a big uh, big mistake ratio in the uh, in the insurance business. Sure, sure, and then and then uh, and then you brought in you brought in this other niche as well, and tell us about that how that works. Yeah, yeah, and then I I brought in the experience on the uh, my uh, music and film connections and uh, grew that side, but also got involved on the on the consulting side because it you know, it's a it was a lot of fun to go in and and find someone else's mistakes and and get money uh, premiums recovered to uh, to clients that in some cases you're going back you know three four years. And then we went on to uh, 
uh, one of the first accounts we sold together was uh, an asbestos uh, abatement uh, firm, which actually was a fro from a, a mutual friend of ours, Todd Hammond, who he was in the business and said, hey, give this give this guy a call. And so we you know, started working with him and I said to my dad, so asbestos liability, I, you know, I don't know anything about it. What, what do you, you know, what do you, uh, what do you suggest? He goes, read the policy, figure it out. And so, you know, you, you read the policy and figured it out and ended up spend, saving them a bunch of money. Uh, but uh, uh, that's the great thing about uh, all our businesses are we've, we've been generalists. So you, you really get exposed to a, a wide variety of, uh, of companies. That's cool. And, okay. So from there, from there, where'd you go? From uh, so that was uh, that was in the uh, early '90s, and we we were uh, working with some temp agencies and a variety of other companies, and we just happened to be at a at a at a trade show for uh, for temp agencies, and that we were we had a number of clients that were in that uh, industry, and a guy had a booth for uh, he was franchising PEOs, and we we're like uh, you know they used to be employee leasing and uh, professional employer organizations, so we went over and tried to sell him, uh, sell him insurance. And he said, I, and I got a guy on my board that does it, but you know, you guys should buy a franchise. So we had some clients that had moved over to that, uh, you know, that, that kind of model over the previous year or two. So we looked at a franchise and it just, it didn't, uh, it didn't, the, the buyout just doesn't, didn't work. It didn't make sense. So we said, how hard can it be? We'll start our own. And so in 1996, we, uh, uh, my brother Scott and my dad and I, we uh, we we started the business. My brother Scott came up with the name Employco and the and a logo, and uh, you know it took us a few months to kind of get the back of the house in order as far as the, you know we needed a payroll software, we needed to get a four hundred one k, we needed all the elements, and uh, and we we opened up in ninety six and we did a, a whopping five thousand dollars in sales. So it was, <laughs> it, it was definitely a startup. So. So your brother. So when when did your brother come in and uh, is, tell us about his uh, strengths compared to yours and how that how that works? How yeah, worked so that? How worked today? Yeah. So I've got two brothers. Uh, my uh, brother that's a year younger than me is a musician. So and he's still uh, he's an entrepreneur. He has his own music, art, and dance school now. And uh, so he had never never had any interest in getting into the insurance business. Uh, and I went in the music business at my youngest brother Scott, who were who were partners. Uh, he kind of always grew up knowing that uh, he was going to join my dad, knowing that he uh, and they, they, they wanted to join the business. Uh, he's six years younger than I am. So I was working with my dad when he graduated college. He joined joined the the, uh, the firm. And, uh, you know, we all I think what made us successful, the three of us is were. Uh, was that we all do something different. So many times you hear in family businesses, oh my God, you work with your dad or you work with your brother. That's got to really be terrible. You got to be button heads. And I think if you do the same thing, uh, there's a good chance that that might happen. But we, you know, from our standpoint, we all do, we, back then we did completely different things. You know, we overlapped a little bit on the sales side, but we all kind of had our own niches. And yeah. we, and as you grew, as we've grown the businesses, you know, you have each other's back. So it's, yeah. uh, you don't have to worry about it. so often you hear, you know, teams imploding or someone stealing from you or you know, uh, the, the headaches of growing a business. And, uh, you know, we each do something different, but we're, uh, we're a great team together. So he, uh, he was with us when, uh, on the insurance side. And then we, when we started, started in Ployco, we each, uh, 
uh, Scott's much more operational than than I am. So he's uh, he's you know, both of us are, are very involved in the business. Uh, it, but in 1996, it was a startup. Took us a couple of years to, you know, by 97, you max out your, your bank line. You're, you're, you're using credit cards, just trying to cash flow and get the business to take off because we really believed in it. And, uh, and it did. So go ahead, go back to there, Rob. I mean, I, and I, I think many of us have had that situation, right? Where we're like, man, you know, this is, this is getting scary, right? I mean, man, my house is mortgaged to the hilt. I've got these credit cards maxed out. I, I, we, you know, I, we live the same thing. Cheryl and I live the same thing and in, in, in a few times in our career in our, you know, in our, in our long career in business and, and boy, it's scary, right? And you're, you're thinking, man, well, I could, I could have, my friends are in jobs making good money with great benefits and they got these big retirements that they're, they're going to have, right? If I blow this, I got none of that, right? I not only don't have a job and a salary, but I also don't have the, the, the you know, built up uh, retirement or 401ks or whatever, right? So tell, tell us about that time when you, you, know, you know you guys are maxed out credit, using credit cards for your, for your lines and all that and how that felt. Yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, you're exactly right. Your uh, you know, friends that have, you know, at that point, you know, I'm in my, you know, I'm 30 years old. My, uh, you know, a lot of friends that are working, they're working for other people. They got decent jobs. They're making a decent amount of money. And, uh, you know, you're signing, per, you, know, you, you were the same place. You're, you're signing personal guarantees, you, but you believe in yourself and you believe in what your, your product and you believe in your business. So we, we kept at it, but you know, we, we got to the, we maxed our bank line because we, you know, we, uh, we had a mortgage on our office building, uh, we had a small office building at the time, uh, about a, a million dollar building uh, that most of it was rented out. But we uh, we maxed it. We got a line of credit. And this it was, you know, uh, you, you've got a couple employees and you got five thousand dollars of revenue that really doesn't go very, very far. That wasn't that was an income that was gross revenue. So on, on that, you know, <laughs> yeah. It was, and but it was we believed in it. And we I uh, I've been. Uh, very active on the sales side and sold a couple of accounts. And uh, we had a, a good sales rep that came in and in 1997 and, you know, just the entrepreneurship of, and running a business, we, you know, we finally, we had someone that she practiced doing payroll for, you know, for 10 months because, you know, how much payroll is in $5,000 of sales. So she uh, was, uh, we finally had a couple of good accounts and, and, uh, she freaked out threw the paper in the air, walked out and quit. And my brother and I looked at each other and said, Holy, Holy crap. Like, what are we going to, you know, and, you know, and the Bulls championship run, this was May of nine, May of 1997. So we sat in our conference room on a couple of computers and we're doing the payroll every night until midnight, watching the bulls with, uh, with the, you know, the tinfoil on your antennas to try and get the reception of the, uh, of the championship <laughs> series. But you know, as a, as a, as a business owner, what do you, you, know, you finally got some income coming in, you've got some business, you got to do whatever you can to, to make it work. So it was, it exactly. was good. And again, I, I love the, I love the, I love the picture you painted there. Right. Because yeah, I mean, people look at you today and they know, you know, number one, that anybody I know knows you loves you right a lot because you guys are such good people, but you know, people don't think that because you're, you're a very successful guy today that, that you could have been there. They don't picture you as that. Right. And so it's, when people when people think that it was easy, it's it's always always fun for you and those that are around you, your brother, Stacy, whoever, look back and say, boy, you know, they probably don't realize how fun it was and how crazy it was and how risky it was at some times in this career, right? In this business building career. 
Yeah, and you think about uh, you know the uh, as, you as well when you look at the things that we've been through over the last twenty uh, some years. You had nine eleven. You had the then you had a, a great recession, and then you had COVID. I mean, it's you know, as a but as a leader, you've got to lead your organization through all of it. Believe in yourself and, and believe in what you're doing, and uh, your team and your customers are looking for for you to be a leader. Exactly what you've done over the years. But so much, it's so much fun to look back. Like you say, you have these times in, in your life where you're questioning what you're doing and saying, boy, you know, this is a little scary, but when you get through it and, you know, from, from the lessons you learn of failure, you know, temporary failure, failure to success, you know, when you get through it, it's like, so, so it feels so good. Right. <clears throat> and nobody can, nobody can understand that feeling and how good it feels when you get through the toughest times. Um, when, when the bank's kind of looking at you, you know, wondering if they, if they're going to, you're going to stay alive, wonder if they should shut your doors for you. Right. <laughs> and then when you get through them, you have those conversations with your banker. Cause they know, right. You can say, you remember what, you know, I, I golf with my banker once or twice a year, uh, the, the, the CEO of the bank I bank with him. And it's fun because he's, he's seen our, our few, our few big, you know, tough times over the last 20 years and 30 years. And, uh, it's fun to talk to about that because, he, he, you find out now that he questioned whether he should keep you in business or not. Right. Cause he had the ability to pull the plug and, and it would have been the end of me. <laughs> so, so for you, said the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah you know, the conversations over, you know, when you're a startup and they're like, well, we can't give you any more money. And then, you know, when you look at you nine know, 11, who expected the, the economy to crash like it was, but yeah, when you, when the recession in, um, we, you know, there's so many businesses in the same boat in, uh, in uh you know for us uh, 2008 9 and 10 where the bank's like you know you really need to turn things around uh you know because we were uh you know like uh, like so many companies you you uh you had a big drop in uh in in revenue because of the recession but uh we came out we you know, we had a, a very solid strategic plan and we in uh and a vision and we've just uh uh, since then, you know, 14, 14 to 16, I doubled the business and uh, we got in more states. And I think all those experiences really helped us uh, when COVID hit and you know, all your employees are looking at you saying, well, am I going to have a job? You hear so we helped our clients lay off 7000 people during the first 45 days of the pandemic. So it. Uh, uh you know, it was a pretty dark period for a lot of people, and it's and, and it's great to see uh, see the the businesses reopening, and uh, it's been a long struggle for a lot of businesses though through COVID. So, so Russell, Rob, uh, you know, so for me, the 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 exciting times for me, and I look back, right, and it weren't that exciting when it was going on, but you know, the pivoting that I that we had to do to 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 go into markets that we thought would be sustainable through tough times. And, and I, you know, I, I got hit hard in the nineties with some bad business deal, you know, doing business for people that didn't pay me, went out of business, you know, developers that went bankrupt, right? So in the nineties, I had some tough times in the late nineties, we stayed alive, but, you know, grew through it. But, but then uh, I, I did work for good customers that I liked a lot and they, they, they were, they had budgeted money to pay me. And this is the big, you know, big facilities leaders across the, the Chicago area. And I said, man, those are the best customers. And they're like 15% of my customers. And so I realized I had to grow my business in that space and, and get away from developers and the risky mm -hmm. builders and developers that will go out of business in tough times like 9-11, 2008 and all that, right? So anyway, mm -hmm. uh, what, what happened was we positioned ourselves by 2008 to be in, in, in like 95% of our business were facilities owners that had budgeted money. They always budgeted their money annually to spend and maintain their properties. And so 2008, 9, 10, 11 were our biggest growth years in our history of our business because 
we, we went while other companies like me had 10% or 20% of their business in the facility space, the 70, 80% killed their businesses. So we had a lot of competitors went out of business and we stayed alive because we were, you know, 90% in the space we wanted to be in. Right. And so, you know, not that we didn't have, we didn't make more mistakes in 2015 and almost lost everything again in another direction, another way, another story. But overall, I mean, pivoting in business to understand your, your, what's sustainable and what, you know, what businesses will get you through the tough times or what businesses are the strongest in, in economic, you know, economic, uh, trouble. Right. And so uh, tell me about what you've got, what you've seen in your business. Right. And then, and then also being, you know, being in front of so many businesses, like you have, like you are, man, you must see trends and incredible trends that, that you could, that you probably um, consult your customers on too. Right. With in the same respect. Yeah, and so uh, going prior to the, uh, the recession in eight, nine and 10, we, we were very heavily in the trade show business and we still do a lot in the trade show business. Our clients uh, set up and take down trade show booths around the country. And uh, for us, it was an area where we did it well. We, we provide customized solutions. So we found what would their headaches were and we provide the solution. So we're the largest uh, HR outsourcing slash payroll company uh, to trade shows across the country uh, over the last you know, five, seven, ten years or so, and uh, so for that, unfortunately, that uh, that uh, that industry really took a hit in uh, eight, nine, and ten because of you know the recession. People just stopped going to uh, to trade shows, uh, tightened their budgets, backed out. So we uh, so that's we. At that point, we realized we really need to be a lot more diverse. We can't have you know seventy percent of our business in in one industry. So we've uh, from at that point on, you know, now it, it represents probably twenty twenty uh, percent of our our business. But uh, boy, I can't imagine what happened, you know, through COVID because I know the trade shows that I I go to were eliminated. So I can't imagine how that how that maneuvering back then saved you now. Yeah, if we, you know, our uh, trade show wise, our uh, we did uh, uh, in nineteen about eighty million dollars of trade show business, uh, and uh, so that you know there was no, you know starting in the middle of March last year, there there was no trade show business. We're uh, we're we've this first quarter we've seen them back in in Florida, Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona kind of the Southern states, you're not seeing anything in, in Chicago, New York, other, you know, your major markets. So you, you can say it, you can say it, Rob, you're seeing, you're seeing it active back in the smart states and the stupid states still don't get it. Yeah. You know, it's a shame when you've got, uh, they're, they're, you're hoping, they're hoping to see the auto show at McCormick place in, uh, in July. And they're talking about the smaller West building instead of the, the main building, but yeah, the, you know, you're, your southern states are are open. There's you know, there's nothing going on in. Uh, I think in San Diego Convention Center, it's they can't open if they wanted to. They've half of it's a, uh, half of it's homeless, and the other half they're putting the uh, uh, illegal immigrants that are coming in from Mexico into the convention center. So the same thing with a, a number of other markets. So it uh, it's a slow recovery in the in your northern states, but. Uh, so you're, Rob, you're not as blunt as I am, but you're you're too nice. But uh, I call <laughs> stupid states and smart states, and I think it's pretty 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 clear that those states are 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 you know using safety in every aspect they can to keep people coming and keep their economies open. And and you got you got to admire that when you know we have stupid states like Illinois that and, and California that that don't get it. They don't care almost because they could they could keep their economies open. They just have to be in a smart way. But uh, yeah. anyway, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm in I'm in Miami today. I've been down in Florida for a few days at uh, hosting, a, seeing some clients. And uh, you know, this this uh, you know, I was in West Palm for a, a day. I've been in Miami for a few, and and Florida is alive. People are in the streets. People are wearing masks, uh, but the businesses are open. There's no restrictions. Uh, you know, I was in Chicago. Stacy and I were down on Michigan Avenue on uh, on Sunday, and it's you know, stuff's boarded up. There's nobody walking around. It's a completely different feel in Chicago than it is in Florida. And, 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 and the sad thing is it doesn't have to be that way, but yeah, um, we won't get into politics. Right. I, might right. give it, I, I might be involved in some politics here in the, in the future days ahead. So I, I probably shouldn't, uh, you know, to spend too much time there and, and you're, you're, you're a business guy and, and, you know, but you can, you can see, you can feel the difference, right? And, you know, and we need leaders like you to get in, you know, to when you're talking about raising your hand and volunteering, we need, we need people like you to, to raise your hand and, and say enough of this. We, you know, the politics have to change. We need to repair our state. So it, uh, Absolutely. You know, so I appreciate, uh, you know, guys like yourself that, uh, that, that raise your hand because it can't stay the way it is. Well, and Rob, I want, I, you know, you, I, I haven't tapped into you enough yet lately, but I'm going to, you're, you're one of my targets, one of my buddies I'm on target to help out because here's the deal. I mean, you and I and, and some of our friends have built businesses to do business, to serve our customers across the country. And one of my biggest blessings is that I've done that. And, and, and over the last 15 years, as I've grown across the country and worked in every state, um, I, I've investigated the, you know, the, the governors and the, and the leadership of these states. And I realize where, where smart things are being done to, to, to make great sense, to create jobs, right. And to nurture jobs and, and, and uh, uh, you know, nurture families and, and, and give them all the stuff they need to, for, for a great, great culture in their States. And, and at the same time, over the last 15 years, I've seen Illinois go from the, the best state, the world-class city and the world-class state in the middle of the best country in the world from that to today, place where nobody wants us to, to go find it. You can't find, you know, people don't think you can find a job here. I mean, you can, but it's not as abundant as other places. Uh, but nobody wants to come here and start a business or grow a business. And, and uh, we're seeing jobs leave every day and great people leave every day, people we love. So again, you and I see that because, you know, if I was just in Illinois, my businesses, like I was for the first 20, 25 years of my businesses, I might not have that global perspective, right? The perspective of the whole state, whole country. But having that perspective like you do and like many of our friends do, I mean, I need to tap into you because you, you're, you're seeing this in a, in a way that most of us, most of us don't because we're just we're doing our job, working our butts off on, in, in our job here in Illinois, not outside of it. Right. So uh, to compare so many things that we have going on in Illinois from a perspective like yours is, is invaluable. So, uh, you know, Cheryl, give me just a few minutes of that and what you're seeing you know, nationally, nationally, uh, national perspective of, of, of being a, a job creating state that you're, that, that you're, you're helping your customers grow in or a job, uh, a job losing state. And, yeah. And I grew up in Chicago. I, I love, uh, love Chicago. And, uh, a lot of our clients, uh, that through the pandemic, uh, that have opportunities to with remote workers are hiring people around the country, not necessarily in, in Chicago and trying to figure out how to be more, more virtual and, and work in different cities. But, uh, it's, it's been, it's been really hard on a lot of, a uh, lot of our clients in Chicago, whether they're not just Chicago, really anywhere in Illinois, but in Chicago with you know, your restaurants, it's tough surviving, uh, you know, how, People don't want to sit in an outdoor tent or, you know, it, it doesn't really work in the, in the winter, but, and some have, 
some have made it through, but it's been a uh, it's been a challenge for a lot of a lot of companies uh, in in Chicago versus you know it's it was very impactful across obviously the entire country, but some uh, some states have re- recovered quicker. So it uh, uh, and you know Chicago is going to come back. It uh, but you feel bad. Uh, there's been so many businesses that have been impacted. Thirty percent of restaurants are gone and and probably not going to return. But you know there's entrepreneurs out there that uh, we're heavily involved in the food industry and uh, food industry news. A uh, good friend, his uh, newspaper. He every every month he publishes the new restaurants and new food operations and there was. You know, he had like four pages of uh, of new restaurants that are opening. So people, uh, you know, some closed, but there's people, and maybe they just timed it right because of the reopening. But you know, there's plenty of entrepreneurs out there that uh, that are going to open businesses. Yeah, there are. But you know, um, you know, again, the key is I'm seeing also I'm seeing some people that are thinking outside the box or figuring out how to stay alive in their businesses, right? And 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 uh, you know, people that don't uh, adjust are are falling by the wayside. Um, it, it's just sad that, you know, some of these businesses that they've, they spent their lives building them, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, now they're gone. Right. And, and they're gone right. without, like you and I talked about earlier, without the retirement plan, without, without the nest egg they planned on for retirement. And some of these people are in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s with nothing left. Right. So yeah, I, you know, and, and then all the jobs that go with it, all these people in these industries without, without the jobs that they should have. So, you know, bottom line is you and I are competitive entrepreneurs, and I, and I think the, the, the opportunity for an entrepreneur to lead a state, and I've seen this happen, to lead a state, you're thinking about how are we going to compete to, to kick, the, you know, kick the pants out of, off our, our, our competitors, right? And, man, that, and I looked at this, this um, you know, I looked at COVID as an opportunity that, that smart states used to actually build their economy even stronger, actually, right? Um, when you look at Indiana, Wisconsin, and Iowa, right, they, they, they got, they're stronger now than they were. And, and, and they and were weaker in Illinois because they took advantage of our weakness and they and they opened in a safe manner. They they they, they kept their, their kids in school they, and, and uh, got back to work you know pretty fast. Um, Florida, Tennessee, Texas. I mean these these people are, are are thriving. These these states are thriving when when dumb states are are, are you know dying and and and, and yeah it it should come back, Rob. But it's not going to come back if we keep the same mentality that we've got in leadership today. Um, yeah, but it, but. Yeah. We have an opportunity for sure. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Look at the look at the school system. You know, they they uh, you know, Indiana. There's so many states where kids are back in school. In Illinois, your you know your private schools, uh, whether it's Catholic or whatever, private schools are are all in person. And you've got CPS, the union. uh, Just you know, it's so sad for the kids to uh, uh, you know. And they in the beginning it was let you know it's the science. Well. Let's still look at the science. The, you know, the kids need to be in, be back in person school. Remote learning is not effective. Yeah, m- mental health wasn't for some reason wasn't part of the science, and it should, sure the heck should have been, right? And sh- still should be today because if you study mental health, you realize well, well number one, if you, you study the health side of things, you'd see that you know kids in these other states are as healthy as our kids in our state, right? When it comes to real you know health and COVID cases and all that, there's not a big difference, right? And then, and then when you, but when you study mental health, our kids are in tough shape right now and, and, and we're, and we're not putting enough emphasis on that in my opinion, but yeah. So, so again, so that, I, I look at that as an entrepreneurial case as an entrepreneur looking at that. You, I know you Rob would say, okay, how do we get through this and, and, and now gain economic strength against our competitors, Indiana, Iowa, 
Wisconsin and, and Tennessee, right? How do we, how do we gain on these, on these other states now and, and in a smart way that we, that we, you know, we, we, we keep the health of our, our state and our city uh, in great shape as well as our economic health, right. And our mental health. So anyway, I, I, I think there's such, such an opportunity. And I, and the other, when, as, as an entrepreneur, Rob, and, and you know, I know the way we think, but it's, it's let's collaborate with every mind we can that's in the same boat. Let's collaborate with the people that are, if I'm far left, far right. Let's, let's talk to people who are far right. If I'm far right in, in, in my political beliefs, I don't care. This is a life and death thing, right? Let's, let's collaborate with those that are far left that are doing the right thing. And I, I look at, again, you know, the Democratic uh, leader and governor of, uh, of uh, Colorado, right? They're thriving. This, this person didn't look at this as a right and left thing, a political thing. This person said, "Man, let's let's make sure we get through this in a healthy, you know, healthy way. But let's all make all make sure we're economically strong too." And and that Democratic governor did a great job, right? And you have Republican governors on the other hand that kept their state state shut down, much like Illinois. So again, I think there's plenty of smart smart leaders that didn't look at this as a left and right thing, a Republican Democrat thing. And I think there's plenty of uh, people that I thought you know lost a great opportunity, like our governor who. And other governors who just said, "This is, you know, we're going to play. We're going to play this out in a political way to make sure we get our agenda politically done." And that's that's a terrible thing for for our citizens. So, yeah, I I, I, agree. I agree. I agree. And you know, there's, uh, you know, as we all you know, own businesses, we you know, we care about the safety of our employees. We've all figured out how to reopen, how to do it safely. I think the schools uh, have too. But then when you've got uh, you know, the teachers that don't want to come back or they're being told you shouldn't come back because of, you know, unions or whatever. But, you know, we all, as we all have, uh, we're still helping clients reopen their businesses. We, you know, we shut down in May to June. Uh, we reopened first week of June and, and it was new for everybody. And that's, you know, we've helped our clients, hundreds of clients reopen and how to do it safely. You know, it's, you know, get a, you know, create a plan and, uh, and help them implement it. You can reopen and be safe at the, you know, at the same time. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, again, so think about in your industry again, you know, look, look, look at, let's look at the last, uh, 10 years of growth. Cause you guys have exploded and grow and, and grown so much. Um, and, and what you've done to compete with, with, you know, the kind of the standard of the industry and how you've as an entrepreneur thought outside the box because i've seen it i've seen it happen with you i've seen you get into so many things that have created a totally a different company than you were even 10 years ago when i knew you right tell me what you what you've done what you've seen it to be able to see past the kind of the uh the the industry standard to to your you know to the uh uh employee standards right and so, our, you know, we compete with companies like Insperity and ADP and, and Trinet, large companies. Uh, they buy in volume, but they also have a set way of how they work and how, uh, how you have to work with them. And my philosophy has always been, I want to I be the solution to your headache. So being an entrepreneur uh, in a nimble company, we're able to react much quicker. So I want to find out what's Gary's headache and what, you know, what's your pain point in HR, payroll, whatever it is. And how can we be your solution? So I can I can compete with the large publicly traded companies because you know we're you know just about you know four hundred million dollars of sales. So we've got a we've got enough volume that we're you know we're providing the savings like the big competitors, but we can provide more customized solutions. And really, that's what has helped our our growth explode is being able to provide that solution. Uh, you know, finding out whether it's a 
trade show companies that uh, uh, they want to go city to city and they need someone to do the union fringe reports because the payroll companies won't. So we said, how hard can that be? So we customized our system. But, you know, in the last few years, the last five years or so, we also looked at uh, larger companies that, that, that have had turnover in the HR department. So we created an onsite HR. So you still have our back office, but we'll put people in your office. And if that person quits or whatever your issue is, we can replace that person. They're an integral part of our team. So we can make HR more strategic for companies and less push and paper, less like daily grind and be more strategic with it. And that's really helped us go into uh, larger companies. Our, our competitors, they typically, their clients are 17 to 35, 17 to 50 employees. Our uh, largest clients, 2,500 employees. So we've got, we've got dozens of clients that are in that kind of 600, 600 to 1,200 employee side that our competitors aren't in. And that's because we've created this uh, on-site opportunity to put people in, in your office. So it's, but just thinking out of the box like that and trying to be, be creative and be that solution for, uh, for companies. Yeah, so you have comp- competition, you have the giants, right? And then you get the mom and pops, right? So you have two different types of competitors. And you're all, you got to always be focused on, uh, on you know, how are you going to, how are you going to compete and, and, and uh, differentiate from the giants, right? And then on how are you going to differentiate from the mom and pops, right? You're, you're probably, I see your industry is one that you know, there's a few giants. And the nice thing about the giants is they can't be as nimble as you guys are. And, and I know they're not, right? And, and then you got the mom pops and they, mom and pops unfortunately can't deliver the service hopefully you can um that 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 uh you've been able to do so so yeah, how, how do you think about that when you think about competition yeah you know uh, uh and when you look at the, uh, the mom and pops the challenge with them is they may be great in you know whatever city they're in but we're in all 50 states so you really you know for our team we we know the hr laws the you know, the tax laws in, in every state and you have to. So we've built up that capability where the, your small, small companies probably don't have that expertise. So it, uh, but at the, at the same time, you know, I've got a lot of friends, uh, YPO friends and other friends that you, know, you sell your business and now you got to start up with two people. Most people don't want to help someone that has two employees and we're happy to do it. So we, you know, uh, from two to 2,500, we, we've got a pretty wide range, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and, uh, we, a lot of our, a lot of our friends are our clients. It, it's funny. We had hired someone, uh, on, uh, on an operational side and she's going through the system and she said to someone else, like every other person on the notes say the owner's a friend of Rob's does, do we only work with his friends? And I said, <laughs> and uh, I, I had, you know, my response, uh, as I heard was that, you know, I like working with friends and if I, if, and, you know, it, why uh, I, I love working with with good people, and I, I become a client. And I, uh, you know, even if I don't know them, if they're, they're, you know, I want to become their their friend and help them. Want to want to be a solution for them. So, who wants to work with a uh, who wants to work with a headache? Yeah, well, you know, that's funny you say because I I've got you know I, I had friends of mine that were mentors early in my career, and they'd say, uh, you know. I, I can't stand my customers. I can't stand my employees. And, you know, I like, you know, I like the business, but I can't stand my employees, my customers. Okay. Well, you know, I, I they, they weren't high growth companies ever. Right. They never really grow very much because that was the attitude. Well, I, I was like, man, I love my teammates and, you know, and I, and I, I love my customers when they're good people that care about me too. Right. And what, what, as you get better and better and you can scale, like, you know, you have, and we have, right. 
cool thing is you can look your, your friends and your, your customers and friends in the eye and say, if we don't give you the best service and the best quality, man, I, you know, I don't deserve your business. You know, and if you can, if you can honestly say that to your customers that you're going to strive to be the very best you can be in, in your industry. Right. And, and, and you can say, if I don't give you that, that world-class you know, uh, experience in dealing with us, we don't deserve your business. I, I, our friendship is more important. Right. And I believe, I truly believe that. And when you do that, if you, if you got a problem, your customers have a problem with you and they're truly friends, they're probably going to call you, Rob. And they're, they're going to say, Hey, Rob, you know what? I got to tell you, I, I've, got, I've had some headaches doing, you know, you know, working with your business. You're not, you're, you're the last, you know, couple of months, you haven't been the world-class company I've, expect, I've grown to expect. Right. And so at least your customers being your friends are probably going to give you that shot to fix something, whatever it is compared to somebody that doesn't really like you or you just have no relationship with. And some, you know, and, and they, they sell you out for somebody that's 10% cheaper and whether they're going to give you better service or not. Right. So I, you know, you, yeah, you, you create friendships with every, every customer for sure. I see that. And, and, uh, and I do, I try, I strive to also, because if they're your friends, they're probably going to give you a shot and they're going to be honest with you and blunt with you when you're not delivering the expected service. Right. So I think it's a huge advantage to be great, good friends with your customers. And when you love people, it's, it's pretty easy. Right. Right. And, and you want, you want to provide a great customer experience for everybody. And you know, that's one of the things that we strive is you want a great experience for all your customers. And as well with your internal team, we spend a lot of time uh, on our, uh, on our culture internally working with our team. And, and we, we tend to hire slow in the sense that we want to make sure that you're, you're the right fit before you join our team, because, you know, you bring in a couple of people that don't have your culture or, uh, and it, it, you know, it can wreck your culture a lot quicker and it's going to take you a lot longer to fix it. So we, uh, we really, we pay close attention uh, to anybody we, we hire. We want to make sure it's the, it's the right fit. Yeah. I think how, how important, I mean, culture is a result of, you know, it's really, really sticking to and, and, uh, and, and, and educating to your core values, right. How you hold people accountable to the core values that you put in place. Um, how do you look at that? And, you know, what are your, what are your core values? Right. Yeah. Our, you know, our, our core values, you know, we want to, we're, you know, honest and ethical company and we're there to, to help the, help the client. Uh, but we, from our standpoint, we, uh, you know, our, our values, you know, from an honesty, be honest and ethical because you run into people that, you know, they want to grow their, they may not be ethical, but all they care about is growing their business. Uh, yeah. we're, we're not that way. And, uh, and our customers would be the first to first to tell you. And same with our our team. We've got a we've got a lot of a lot of great people that work with us. And some of, some of our Jerry LeCamp, who's our vice president of payroll, she's been with us for 21 years. And Mike Douglas, our CFO, is 20 years. So we've got a, a, a lot of people. We're doing something right uh, if if they you know, we've, the team stays together so long. So when you interview people, right, or you evaluate somebody a year later, two years later. What, what are the things you look at and you, that, that you can measure them by as far as the expectation from the beginning and you interviewed the principles you interviewed for. And then, you know, a year later, how do you, how do you measure them as far as, you know, their, their progress? Yeah. The, the, on the initial interview, we, you know, we look at your experience. We also look at your personality. What type of person are you going to be in the office? All right. You know, whether it's, you know, brash, loud, quiet, what, you know, uh, I think your personality is as important as, uh, as anything you have written on your resume. Either you're going to be either, either you're going to fit the team or, or not. You can have the best resume, but if your personality is not good, we don't want you part of the team. 
And you know, we, we brought in years ago based on, we do employee surveys every year and we ask them uh, specific <laughs> questions about us as well as questions that we ask uh, our clients as well as some questions that come out of Sherm so we can really benchmark. And then we do the same service for our clients. And we, from that, we, uh, we create focus groups internally and look at what do we, where do we score high on and how can we make that score even higher and what do we score low on and how can we improve that? And, uh, We've, we use that every every year and it, and it helps and the employees see that you know th their voice matters it counts and uh, you know even down to thing like our suggestion box you know when we, we take take suggestions seriously but then with one of the suggestions that came out is we we needed better training so we hired a training manager and he spent a, a year in every department understanding every aspect of it and so now uh, no matter who um, no matter who comes in the organization as a, as a new hire, no matter what your role is, you, you're going to go through a, a new hire training and you're going to meet with department heads out of every department. So this is every employee we have gets, uh, spends a couple of weeks and they're going to, they're going to meet every department head because we want them to know what we do, how we do it. Uh, and they, you know, they're going to learn about every aspect of our business. They're not going to be experts in it, but they're going to understand it. And, and then we're going to create, uh, we do regular performance reviews from a performance management standpoint and, and set goals and expectations with them. So when it comes time to do the, uh, you know, a semi-annual review or quarterly review, we've set out goals. They know our goals uh, within the organization, uh, goals of their department and goals that they have individually. So it's easy then at the, uh, for a review standpoint of, Here's what your goals are, whether they were continuing education or what new roles you're going to take on or what your specific duties are. And, uh, and so it's easy to have that then conversation with the, with our team, individual team members. So, and, and they like that feedback. Awesome. And, uh, you know, tell, tell me about, you know, you guys have grown crazy. I mean, in, in, in over the years and watch you from 20 years or 15 years ago, I've known you ever until today. It's, it's been amazing. Right. So we think about the, your growth. What, what, what have you done? To, what have you done, Rob, as a leader to inspire your team to to get them to visualize the growth along with you, and then and then operationally keep up with that with that vision, right? Get everybody to buy in and be on that same you know the same bus, right? Because you know for, for that's that's been a something that I figured out over the years to be better at than I was originally, right? But um, tell me about what that looks like, and I mean, is there is you ever do you ever to see the growth you guys have been in? Uh, you know, Inc. Magazine for the fastest growing and companies in the country. And I remember, you know, I think you and I were around the same time and, and Ernst and Young's Entrepreneur of the Year stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to watch, to watch you grow, I mean, what, what did you, what have you done? What did you do in the past? We're kind of like a moonshot to say, here's, where we're going to be in X amount of years, whatever that people would say, come on, Rob, really? Right. You, you know, and then where are you at today? And do you have a moonshot now that you're saying, Hey man, you know, 2028, here's where we're going to be and here's how we're going to get there. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we have uh, have a, a well-thought-out strategy. So I started working really solid on strategy back uh, with a, a short-term and long-term goals back in 13, 14, uh, a couple of short-term and longer-term. And, and we're very open with our with our, our team members. I've got a really good management team. So we look at, uh, and take everybody's, uh, everybody's input, but we, uh, we've got pretty well thought out strategy of where we want to go, how we're going to get there. And, and we explain that, to, uh, to everyone on our team. I, I host, well, one of the good things that came out of the, uh, out of, uh, COVID was as we all went kind of remote for a while, 
we did uh, Friday. I did start doing a call with an all office call with everybody, everybody that works for us every Friday afternoon. So they, and kind of a state of the state, we used to do it quarterly and now we're doing it and we still do it, even though we're all back in the office, uh, we still do a, a meeting every Friday. So they, and everybody feels much more uh, in, involved and in touch and they hear what every department's doing. I call on every, every department head for them to give a, you know, what's going on this week. And, uh, and and then every quarterly every quarter like we just did uh, last week we did a highlight to the quarter where are we where are we on our goals who are our new clients we celebrate anniversaries we celebrate uh, a variety of things with the with the team so they they get that the, the the team aspect but if you were you know from a long range goal my uh, my goal is to become a billion dollar organization. And uh, we want to do a billion dollars in sales by 2025. So if you were to ask anybody that works for us, hey, what's Employco's goal? They would tell you one billion. So they, uh, everyone knows that and, and we're going to get there. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, when, you, when you think about uh, you know, the, the, the team you've built and scaled, right? I mean, uh, how, many, how many people on your team now? And then how many, how many people that are, you know, executive leaders that have to think like entrepreneurs like you. Yeah. So we've got uh, six people on our management team and, uh, and senior management and all are, are very vested in the business. All have, uh, have uh, been involved in the strategy. Uh, my, you know, my brother, like myself is an entrepreneur. And uh, so we've, we, we built a really, really good team. And, uh, you know, we want their feedback. We want everybody's input and we're, you know, we're going to get there as an organization and uh, have a pretty, pretty well thought out strategy to, uh, to get there. How many, how many, how many people on your team, you know, globally you know, across the country you know, and uh, within your whole group? Yeah. So we're about uh, 30, uh, our clients represent about 30,000 people across the uh, all 50 States. Uh, in my corporate office, I've got, uh, I've got a little over 50 people uh, in our, in our corporate office. And then, you know, the trade show business is, it's going to come back, but it's going it, to, you know, you're not going to see much of that size until, uh, until the fall. But when that, that comes back in the fall, you know, you'll, you know, we'll see a big, big jump in our numbers, but, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, we've, uh, it's a, we're continuing hiring. We just, we just added, a, a someone to oversee loss control and client relations, uh, really the client relation experience. Uh, he just started a couple weeks ago and we're, we're hiring, we're looking to hire three, four more people right now. So it, uh, we're, uh, we're very bullish on the, on people reopening and, and the growth opportunities. And, and a lot of what we, you know, you went into COVID and no one knew what to expect. You know, we helped our clients lay off 7,000 employees across the country. We helped our client. They, you know, no one knew, was it going to be, you know, every, initially it was you know, two weeks to stop the curve or stop the spread and it turned into a year. So we, uh, what really helped us, you know, we just, we just finished our best first quarter we had since uh, 2014. We had more, more new clients come on than, uh, than we have in the, in the last seven years in, in Q1, which, which was great. And I think part of that was from our, we got out in front of, uh, of COVID and webinars, PPP came out, Nobody, nobody, no one was an expert at it. I remember there's a YPO that started throwing out these, uh, these webinars, but at the end of the day, he was just trying to, he was an SBA lender. He was doing it to pitch business for himself. So we figured out the PPP inside and out, and we started putting on our own webinars. You know, I have nothing to do with PPP other than, I, we have nothing to do with PPP other than 
we got educated and wanted to help our help our customers and friends. So during the lockdown, we did probably 30 webinars on PPP, uh, wow. engaging, engaging your remote workforce, uh, reopening safely. That's been a big one. We, uh, so a variety of them, and they weren't for sales standpoint. It was just to, to help people through the process. But then yeah. people kept coming back and saying, hey, you know, your webinars have been invaluable. Can you, can you help me? Can you give me a proposal? And so it, was, it, it ended up uh, working out well for us. It's amazing what happens when you just think about serving, right? When you just think about how do we serve our customers better, right? And 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 doing that, you're, the relationships you build are incredible because it, you know people understand when you're when they're being served well and when people care about them. Um, and it's it's amazing whether you're a, a small business, a, lar- a mid-sized business, a large business, or you're a government, right? I mean, if you serve your citizens, your your customers better than the competition, you're going to win. And and uh, and you guys are going to keep winning because of that, because that's who you are, and that's who you're, you know, the culture your of your team are, is, right? Um, what what? Uh, hey, Rob, tell me about uh, you know. I've seen you do a bunch of stuff in leadership, and you're you know you've uh, uh, you know you're, you're an example of many on how you lead to other people. Um, I know you've had a coach, a leadership coach, for a long time that I that I like. I get a kick out of him. I, you know, he's a very popular coach for many of the best executives, athletes in the world, and really what a really cool guy Jim is. But uh, tell us about that. Tell us about your relationship with your your executive coach. I think you've been doing that maybe eight or ten years. I'm guessing because I, I you know I remember meeting Jim originally with at your house. Tell us about that and how that's worked out for you and why that's you know why that's worked out. Yeah, and, uh, actually, he's uh, he's down here uh, as well. We just did uh, a few nights with uh, with some clients and friends, and so Jim was a great. Uh, we started working together in thirteen, and really helped us with our strategy and and the you know, kind of the mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset, and uh, being in the you know as he says, being in the zone. So it's it's been uh, it's been great to work with him. He's coached uh, uh, a lot uh, people in our people in our uh, in our office and our team. He's done seminars for us with. Uh, with our team, my, my son, oldest son works with me. Uh, it's fantastic having the third generation in the business and Jim's in coaching Griffin as well. So, but, uh, he's done a, uh, he's done a really good job. It, uh, definitely changes help helps you to, uh, to get in the, from his own standpoint and from a strategy standpoint. So we've, uh, I think it really helped us as we took that leap of, uh, of growth. Yeah, so I just explain the zone in a couple of minutes because that's an interesting concept that I always like uh, from Jim. Yeah, you know, and, and different tips that he, uh, you know, he's a very positive person, and you know, started out met him at a uh, Anthony so at a Sobel Cup uh, speaking about golf, and there it was all about the mindset of, of golf. Never look down. Always have your chin up. Ne- never, you know, you got to shake off that. You, know, you just got an eight on the last hole. You got to shake that off. Don't take that up to the next tee box. Otherwise, you know, you're going to shank the ball and. Uh, so, and use that in, in business and, uh, rebooting in between meetings of just trying to clear your mind and, uh, and be positive, look to the future, not to the past. So it, uh, yeah, his, uh, his score system of, uh, and his, his book right now that we were, you know, we were out seeing some of our, cl- our clients with was the blueprint. Everybody needs a blueprint, whether it's in your personal life or your, or your business. And, you know, and that works, you know, we have a blueprint uh, you know, in, in our business and uh, like most businesses do. So it's, it's been fun working with them. That's really cool. And, uh, you know, and, and I realized this, but, you know, in business and, and now, now 
in the political world, same thing, right? I've, I've been speaking every day pretty much to different groups and, and, and you gotta be in the zone when you're not in the zone. I mean, I, I, I'll, I had a experience here a few nights ago where I was totally flat. I, I was out like three nights before till late, you know, all over this, all over a few, you know, a few hours from my house each night, driving home to getting home at one o'clock and getting up in the morning at five and out the door by six and, and, and um, on, on the road again. Right. And, uh, I, I, I was flat. It was like four, three, four nights ago for about 300 people. I was totally flat and the mic wasn't working right. Right. And I was you know, like, you know, it's pretty tired, dehydrated, all the things you can imagine. And I definitely was not in the zone. Right. And afterwards, uh, uh, while I'm doing it, I'm like feeling like I'm not in the zone afterwards. Like, okay, that was flat. Right. And, uh, and the other two governor candidates were there too. And actually they did a good job, right. They were ready. They were rested. They were ready. And so, uh, what I, what I learned is I'm, I'm never going to let that happen again. So I evaluated what caused that. And, uh, the last few times I've been out since then, I've been totally in the zone and totally on fire. Right. But, uh, but again, you got to realize you're, you know, uh, when you make mistakes, what do you learn from them? Right. In right. this case, I learned a lot. And, you know, in one, 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 one talk for 10 minutes, I learned a lot and all the things I did wrong. I uh, got to get a lot of sleep. I got to work out every day. I got to eat well. I got to drink well. I got to, got to be hydrated. And if I do those things that, you know, the odds of me having a flat speech like that, again, will be very low. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, people under eight, uh, you know, sleep's important. So is being hydrated. So it, uh, you know, that's one of the easiest things to, uh, you know, make you go flat is if you're not hydrated. Yeah. Yeah, it's like and, you're, you're a battery basically, right? You're a battery. If you don't keep water in that battery, it's, it's going to go dead, you know? Right. Right. So, yeah, cool. So, uh, oh, that's awesome. And again, I think that's something to take away, right. For, for, for people, you, you know, to, to get a coach, to, to be able to watch you from the outside in to say, Hey, you know, cause you know, you don't see all your, you know, all, all your, all your blind points, right. I mean, you're not seeing around every corner. And when you have, uh, <laughs> or when you, you know, you do something that you just didn't catch yourself, you know, somebody that's honest with you that you trust that, that can, that can coach you like that can tell you, Hey Rob, you know what? You might not have seen this, but here's what I saw. Right. Oh man. I, you know, dang, I didn't see that. Well, thanks. Because again, if, if you just, if, if you just go at it alone and you don't trust other people that have been there and done it better than you, then boy, you're just not going to gain a lot. When it, and, uh, would it be leadership, right. leadership, uh, communication or, or, you know, leadership execution or anything. Right. So yeah. And it's a nice yeah, a couple of his you know, his book score, you know, self discipline and optimism, relaxation and enjoyment. For me, I I love my my job, I love our business, so I really enjoy it. And I, I think you know, as a as a business leader, optimism you have to be you know you have to have optimism. Hundred yeah. percent. So yeah, and everything 100%. else that goes along with it, and and some and some luck and uh, and, uh, and and the drive to get there. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, I talk, hey, talk about your family really quick. I guess, uh, you know, you, you got an amazing family that that's a, a blessing in your life, right. That you can always, you, you know, you can always look back and, and understand you got, they've got your back, right. And, you know, Stacy, your kids, right. Tell us about your family really uh, briefly. Cause uh, I, love, I think people need to know about that too. Yeah. So Stacy and I, this year will be together 29 years, uh, 29 years from, from our first date. So, I uh, had to had to hustle her a few times to try and you know, talk her into that first date, but uh, you know, the, once you got the first, then once you got the second date, you're like, all right, she went out with me for a second time. So we've been together uh, 29 years this year. Uh, we got three uh, three great kids. So Griffin works with me. He's uh, 24. Uh, Spencer's graduating from University of Arizona Arizona in in, uh, in May, and then uh, Pierce, our youngest son, is a sophomore at Wake Forest. 
so all uh, all great kids all completely different personalities and uh they're it's great to see it's been fun seeing them seeing them grow up that's good, uh, yeah. good kids yeah. I've seen, I've, I've been around your kids. They're amazing kids. Actually, they're, they're really just uh, high emotional intelligence. They, they like people, they communicate even when they're very young, right. They communicate really well. Right. Um, you guys have, you guys did an awesome job raising your family. So God bless you there. Um, yeah, thanks. So, so, so we got, uh, so at the end of our podcast, uh, my buddy, Chris kind of critiques things. He pulls out, he's going to pull out the, uh, uh, what we look at as our, you know, laws of success or nuggets of success that, that he sees that we want to, you know, we want other people to understand, you know, to kind of catch. So Christopher, are you there, buddy? And what, what are you seeing here, man? What are you getting out of this oh, as a man. young entrepreneur yourself? Yeah, no, this is great. I was, I was frantically writing down uh, <laughs> tips that um, I think everyone can use. Um, what, what am I, the first ones I wrote was leverage your connections in any industry, even music to grow your business. I, I loved that. Um, you know, Rob, obviously music was a huge passion of yours and, um, a couple of years in, you're like, uh, I think that I might have better luck in a more traditional industry, but I still want to like leverage the connections that I've made. Um, and it, and it sounds like you did a great job of doing that. Um, keep a diverse client base so that, uh, you know, not one industry, not one client can kind of sink your whole business. You're keeping a lot of, a lot of different clients and in, in different areas. Um, the best way to compete with, with bigger companies is to stay nimble. Um, and, and, you know, you can change on, on a dime and, and offer more customized solutions to, to your various sized clients. Um, that's awesome. Um, Gary, you actually said something that was, was really awesome as well. You said, create friendships with all your customers. Cause then, you know, it, even if you're not delivering as well as you can, uh, they'll likely come to you and say, Hey, you know, I want to give you another chance to, to, you know, serve us as, as well as I know you can, um, provide a great experience for all your customers. That was awesome. Um, hire slow to ensure that your new hires are a good cultural fit. Um, it, it seems like one, one bad hire, you know, in the same way that like a, a bad apple and in a bunch can kind of spoil the whole thing. So that I, I would almost say that that's one of the most important lessons uh, from today. Um, and this goes in line with that. Your personality is as important as anything on your resume. Um, make sure everyone on your team knows the company's goals. Uh, I, I loved when Rob said, you know, our, our goal is to become a billion dollar company by 2025. And if you ask any employee, they all know that. So I think that's a great way to ensure everyone's on the same page. Um, and if you serve your customers better than your competitors, you're going to win. <laughs> um, and sure. finally, as a business leader, you have to have optimism. Uh, a bit of luck and the drive to get there. So this is, this is all, this is all great stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rob, for sharing. Hey. No, thanks, hey, Chris, thanks for having Chris, me on. And one thing I would add, one thing I would add, Chris, that uh, I see in Rob is this, this uh, passion for continuous improvement, right? If you just look, you know, Rob, Rob is not a bragger like me. Okay. If he, if he was a bragger like me, man, he would be talking about a lot more stuff that, 
that makes him different and that and that makes him a winner, right? A champion. And and so, uh, but what I see in Rob and, and watching him from the outside is is uh, constant, you know, constant improvement, continuous improvement. You know, uh, when it comes to education and, and leadership in YPO, Rob is the one raising his hand to lead something that educates other leaders. And and uh, and you heard Rob talk about. Um, you know, somebody somebody was doing seminars on the PPP on the stimulus stuff, and uh, and my my opinion, Rob saw that and said, man, that's you know that guy, they're doing okay, that's a good idea, but I you know I can do it better in his mind, not not verbally, but Rob would think I can do that better, and by the way, I can serve my customers with that, right? And so sure enough, Rob did that, and with that, I guarantee you, Rob's relationships with his his customers and new customers. Um, you know, really, really grew, and and uh, again, that's what that's what great leaders do. All constantly improving on what they got. I mean, Rob could be very complacent in the size of his business and the, and the and the, the you know the the the, the um, enterprise value Rob's created in this business is incredible. And Rob could be pretty complacent right now and say, oh, you know what, I, I got it, I got it handled now. You know, I, well, I can retire now and everything's good. Instead, I know Rob, Rob, I know you, dude. You're you're saying okay. How can I create more opportunity, more millionaires within my team and others, right? And how do I give back more? I can't give back if I don't earn more. So, uh, I, I, again, continuous improvement is a big thing, Rob, that I see in you. And it's and I admire that about you probably most is you're const, constantly figuring out how can, how can I do it better? And then if you can continue to grow your leaders like that, you know, 10 years, 20 years from now, when you, whenever it is you do want to, you know, retire, man, you're going to, you're, you're going to build a team behind you. that will continue to build the same way you have in the past. So uh, that's, that's the best when I can see, when I see what you're doing from the outside, I always can, can, I can continue to improve everything you're doing. So th- yeah, thanks for that. Cause got, you know, hillbillies like me from the outside are watching the dude and we're saying, man, how, how, how can I be more like Rob? Right. So <laughs> thanks. Thanks for everything you do, brother. Uh, thanks for everything you do. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, so many people look up to you for uh, the way you built your business and what a great team you have. So, I mean, you're uh, inspirational to all of us. You're, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Uh, all right. So, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I uh, really enjoyed, really enjoyed this one, Chris. Uh, we're, we're, our our uh, Ditch Digger CEO listeners are going to learn a ton from Rob. And uh, I can't wait to, to see what they say about Rob because, uh, uh, you know, he's a blessing to all of us as entrepreneurs, Rob. Thanks for being here, buddy. Buddy, I really appreciate All right. you. All right. Thanks. It was great seeing you and uh, look forward to see you uh, in person, hopefully soon. Don't get, and don't get too comfortable that Florida stuff. You're going to, you're going to stay here in Illinois with me and we're going to change the state. Okay, buddy. Coming back tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Until right. next time, I'm Dish Digger right. CEO. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. You're awesome. All right. Thanks so much, thanks, Rob. Uh, all right, thanks, and have a great uh, rest of your day. Thanks for having me on, Gary. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com, for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo.
Amen.